Um, I'll just. Do you want to just talk into the microphone? Yeah. Audio check. Testing. Testing. One, two, three. I had a breakfast off. Um, what I have today? Jesus. <laughs> I think. I think I ate something. Yeah, I think I had uh, yogurt, and that was it. This is totally obsessed with Dan Deboe. Talking to interesting people about that interesting thing that interests them. Welcome to another episode of Totally Obsessed with Dan DeBoof. It's me, Dan DeBoof, the guy from the title. And this is my podcast where I sit down with someone who I find interesting, uh, a creative person, and pick their brains about one specific thing, and that is their obsession. Could be a lifelong obsession, could be a recent obsession, but it has to be something that they are dying to talk to someone about for a solid half hour, nothing else, and no limits. They can go as deep as they want. I indulge them and say, let me into the world of your obsession. This week, my guest is Sammy Shah, who is a fantastically warm and open guy. He's a writer of multiple books, a comedian. You might have seen him at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival in his show, Sacrificing the Goat. Uh, You might have seen him on TV and things like The Project or Get Kraken or QI. Uh, Quite cool. I've now had two QI alumni on my show, Phil Jupitus, a few episodes ago, and now Sammy. Uh, and most notably, Sammy is the co-host of Breakfast with uh, Jacinta Parsons on ABC Radio Melbourne. You can hear him every morning there. Like I said, fantastically warm and open guy. You know, he did his breakfast show, then he was filming some stuff, and then he came over here to record this chat with me, and he lit up from beginning to end. His obsession is watches, uh, as in timepieces, horology is what he calls collecting watches, which um, is a great word. I think I'd only ever heard it before in the context of a David Mitchell novel, The Bone Clocks. But um, as you can tell from this conversation, he's an easily obsessed guy. We talk for about five minutes about comic books before we even get to watches because that's his other major obsession, which I'm I'm probably going to get him back for in the future to talk about that because, again, he just is easily obsessed and loves to share. So enjoy the next half hour inside Sammy Shah's obsession with watches. This is Totally Obsessed with Dan DeBoof. Sammy, yes. what are you obsessed with? Oh, I'm. My problem is I'm an obsessed. I'm an obsessive person. Oh well, give me so, a give me a, like a little. I've buffet. got a top two. Yeah, okay, yeah. all right. I can give you the top two. Number one for me has always been comic books. Okay. I've been a comic book obsessive since I was eight years old, maybe nine years old, when I got my first um, comic book. I think it was an X Men, Uncanny X Men issue, during the Moor Island saga. That was the. It was the tail end of the Moor Island saga. Um, uh, this is exactly around the point when a massive break happened in the X-Men world, um, in the comic book world. If you follow X-Men, you'll know, because right after this kind of happened, uh, Marvel launched a whole bunch of new titles out of the end of the X-Men, Uncanny X-Men um, storyline, which became X-Men number one by Jim Lee um, and Chris Claremont. It became X-Force by Rob Liefeld. Um, 
and it became X Factor by Peter David and Larry Stroman. And those three comics were basically my, like, um, they were my crack cocaine. They were my addiction. <laughs> they were what got me into comic books big time. Um, and to this day, I'm, I'm a comic book obsessive. I have massive, I, I left in Pakistan before I moved to Australia, over 10,000 comic books in cupboards and suitcases, um, which are sitting in, in my house still, like I can never a, ship them across. like a massive comic book scene in Pakistan? There is surprisingly a decent one. It's not massive. Um, you know, it's always, comic books are an underground thing. They will always be an underground thing. Yeah, but it's also depends on what you mean by comic books. So, for example, Archie Comics, you know, Archie, Jughead, Veronica, all that are huge. Everyone reads them. You will be hard-pressed to find a middle-class or upper-middle-class and above household in the country that does not have a familiarity with the adventures of Archie Andrews and the goings-on of Riverdale. How, how like, and why? Because they just made... Bits of American culture, bits of British culture <laughs> make it across. And no one gets to choose what are the bits that not make at all. it. It's like, oh, we're going to seize on that one. You're like, oh, that's yeah. not really such a big deal back in America. It is here, goddammit. You have no idea how true that is because... Uh, so they're TV shows that used to come to Pakistan when I was growing up. <laughs> and we thought those were massive, mega-hit American TV shows, right? We thought TV, the TV show Manimal... We thought See, I don't even know what that right, is. It's a like, TV yeah. show about a man who turns into animals. Oh, that's exactly what it says on oh, the TV. Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's the TV show Auto Man. There was a TV show Wizard, which was about a little person who was really good at making toys that could solve problems. These TV shows were our life. Oh, we thought these were the biggest hit TV shows. They were inventive, they were brilliant, they were awesome. Um and then when I went to America in university and I met Americans and I said Manimal, you guys. They're like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> what do you mean, Just doing manimal? yourself no favors. No. So it turns out Have America... Have seen the latest Manimal? Yeah. So they were sending the dregs of their pop culture to our part of the world where we were consuming them because we're hungry. So you're drinking like the Fosters of yeah, like, exactly their TV. That. Yeah, exactly that. Yeah. And then you become this idiot who goes there. The amount of resentment <laughs> the third world countries have towards yeah. America is not to do with uh, the invasion of our lands. Pil- trade, nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The pilfering of our resources and the killing of our leaders. It's to do with the fact that we thought Manimal was great and it turns out it was shit. Um, so yeah, Archie Comics is a big one and then the other big one is um, Asterix and Tintin. Oh yeah, wonderful, yeah. So Asterix, Tintin and Archie, those are mainstream. Everyone has those. But you know, superhero comic books, Marvel, DC, that's a niche thing. Okay. And the reason why it exists is because of secondhand bookstores. So a lot of... Um, books that like you know like other things that get rejected by the world so a lot of secondhand books end up being bought in bulk by pakistan and india markets and they just end up in these massive markets that we have so you can go to there's a place in karachi when i was growing up it's called Kodi garden it wasn't actually a garden it was just a street but it was a street that was known only for secondhand bookstores but imagine upwards of 150 to 200 secondhand stores just books there's no shelving system there's just <laughs> mountains and mountains of books so as a child i would go there and each comic book would cost maybe the equivalent of a half of one cent and i would just buy 500 comics yeah. you know and i'd take them home and they'd be a mixed bag i wouldn't know what's in them so they'd be like a, a comic of nexus which is the uh, you know from first comics publishers which was in the 90s there's a publisher that did adult comics so you open this page and people having sex well mama yeah that's right and they're yeah. adult and there's nudity and there's all these things and then there's x-men and then there's you know superman and there's all of these things kind of mixed in so you become really good and adept at jumping into storylines midway 
figuring things out and also just valuing good comics because then you choose which ones you want to follow. Yeah, so that's the comic books are the first one. That's been my love for a very long time. Uh, these days, my obsession is also concurrently with that um, and a few others is watches. Um, okay. I've gotten into horology very bit, seriously. Yeah. <laughs> first of all, the mere fact that you call it horology yes, sorry. makes me go like, <laughs> all right, you're taking this seriously. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, I yeah. drink a glass of wine, but I'm no enophile. <laughs> yes, <laughs> right, <yeah. laughs> all right, fair enough. Yeah, yes, yeah. yes. Would you, so, like, how do you know when you cross over from watch, like, appreciation to horology? When you buy <laughs> your first watch box. <laughs> oh, as in, you mean the ones that keep... Uh, All the watches individually yeah, in yeah. little pockets of their own. Does it have a glass um, lid? Of course it has a glass lid. Of course lid. it has a glass uh, lid. It's got two drawers, so one drawer is now full, that's got ten inside that, so the other drawer is now going to begin okay yeah now <laughs> this is a slightly more expensive hobby than let's say you not, know well, half not a really. cent for a comic book okay yes okay agreed but also not really because one of the things that what kicked it off for me for example yeah is yeah, yeah, yeah my father gave me a watch and how old because were you he, this is a, a couple of years ago oh okay and right. it's very recent but he gave me a watch that he'd been wearing forever and ever and ever and you know usually a parent will have a watch because it was a thing mm. that was done more commonly in previous generations um ever since the advent of the smartphone we kind of gave away watches as a as an affectation but it was a necessity back then so my father was a sailor so he needed watches that were sturdy so he had a, he didn't you know he had a limited budget so he couldn't have a rolex or a, a patek philippe or anything crazy like that um but he had a decent looking long jeans and okay. he had a decent looking tissot and he just had those two watches and he gave me one he's like hey you know I've got these two watches. I don't wear them anymore. Um, why don't you wear one? So how old was he and how old were you? This would have been... So I would have been 38. Yeah. And he would have been probably 64, 65. Okay. And um, he handed this over to me. Uh, Where were 40, you? 50, 60. Yeah, that'd be fine. Where were um, you? Um, this is in Australia. Yeah. So he visited me over oh. here because he lives in Pakistan. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so he visited over here and he brought the watch with him and he said, you know, it's just sitting in a cupboard. I don't want it to go to waste. Oh, okay. What's interesting is this watch is... Uh, do you know anything about watches? Um... No. What's no. So uh, watches have different movements. The movement is the mechanism inside yeah, the, like the watch. Yeah, like a and... That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yes. yeah. So but this I, one... Let's pretend I know nothing because I'll... You know, okay. The second I try and mm-hmm. talk about something, I'll be exposed. Okay, so yeah. quartz is when there's a battery. Yeah. Uh, but an automatic movement is when the watch winds itself using just kinetic motion. Right? Yeah. So your movement of your hand moves the watch. So this watch has been sitting in my father's drawer for maybe 10, 15 years unused. Mm. He handed it to me. I picked it up. I was like, oh, do I have to change the battery? What do I have to do? He said, no. And he shook it, like, literally for three seconds. And that just puts the sort of pendulum in motion. Yeah. yeah. And he hands it back to me, and this watch is now ticking away. And it keeps time brilliantly. So, that's, I mean, that's magic right there, isn't Right, it? exactly. Yeah, and this yeah. this idea that this thing is, you know, people buy iWatches now, um, or Apple Watches yeah. now, or Samsung Watches. Those last, what, two, three years, if yeah. you're lucky? yeah. You know, the operating system fades or or it doesn't keep up in terms of what the operating system demands. And Correct. so yep. you junk it. But these watches were designed to be given from father to son, father to son. Yeah. And, we, and we think, oh, maybe it's just the fancy ones. There's the Patek Philippe, which is, you know, the hundreds of thousands of dollars for one of those. Um, there's a tagline for that in advertising, which is um, you never buy a Patek Philippe, you inherit it. 
but which is a great line. But yeah. actually, that's true for most of the good quality watches from back in the day, and even the ones built today. So uh, he gave me that. I looked it up. Looked at the value online, um, and it was about a, th- a little over a thousand dollars. Okay, which you know he paid maybe fifty dollars for it. When so he I put bought it on it. eBay, right? Yeah. <laughs> but that idea was amazing to me. This thing yeah. is going up in value. It's yeah. not you know your iPhone is not going to go up in value. Oh God, no. 20 years from now, it won't be worth it. I can't even trade mine in for scrap. Right, exactly. Well, the moment you walk out of the shop, it drops in value. Yeah, Yeah, this thing goes up in value. And more importantly, you don't need it. The iPhone, the phone that I have with me right now, has an atomic clock built in, which means it's accurate to the millisecond at a level that my wristwatch will never be. Mm. But my wristwatch is, is something that was designed to look good. It was designed to have a certain aesthetic value. It was designed with a certain care and precision in the Swiss yes. watchmaking that assembled it. And so I realized it's a thing that doesn't need to exist, which is why it's a thing that I value more for its existence now. It's kind of like the Oscar Wilde, all true art is useless. Yes, kind of thing. absolutely. Yeah. It's pure aestheticism. Um, and it really enters that world. And so... I kind of got into it from there, and um, and then I started looking around at watches, and there's that thing of they're too expensive. You're not going to be able to yeah. afford a, a, a great, and I'll never be able to afford a Rolex or. Oh, or you, you work for the ABC. Yeah, exactly. Public <laughs> broadcaster. You know when people go, not my taxpayer money. It's not much taxpayer money. You're giving four cents. Like yeah. it's nothing. You know. Pay more, idiots. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I know what you're doing with that four cents. It's a stupid thing. So give me your money. I can buy a nice watch with it. But, exactly. Um, but the thing I realized is. Uh, you the world of watchmaking has changed so what's happened is it used to be these really expensive watches swiss watchmaking then the japanese entered by making affordable watches the seikos yeah right and and the casios which are these beautiful quartz movements and things Mm -hmm. and um, and all these modernization of the watch took place digital watches etc etc along the way some watch enthusiasts got involved and said you know what i want a beautiful watch i want a watch that lasts a while but I don't want to pay $10,000 for that. Mm. And so this thing started called micro brands. Okay. Much like micro breweries. People yeah, all right. custom making small batches of limited edition watches in Hong Kong, in Singapore. You know, the Far East is very good at kind of specializing in skills at a level that no one else has ever done. So, for example, in America, there's some really good ones. But in Singapore... A country which apparently doesn't actually have a big watch buying culture. Okay. Some the enthusiasts are so fanatical they make these beautiful watches, custom designed, hand built, absolutely gorgeous pieces of machinery. Um and they last and they look nice and then they're and they're two hundred dollars, three hundred dollars, like that. So I kinda got into that then. It became an obsession for me where it's like you know what? You live in Melbourne. You eat five meals out. That's two, three hundred bucks you spent. That's true. Maybe yeah. I just cook at home for five days a week and then you have, know have a nice watch. Yeah, buy myself a watch every time I you know. So it's a treat every time I sell a, sh- a short story or finish a book or a documentary or a big project. I'll treat myself to a watch. Yeah. With the okay. All right. I understand where you're sort of getting. And a lot of people have, like you said, like you know, going out to a restaurant or um, you know um clothes yeah another one people are like i'm gonna go you know on a shopping spree or Mm -hmm. just buy something nice as a sort of signifier of that moment um and i guess it's kind of like if you're willing to not sacrifice but if you if those aren't your your jazz Mm -hmm. but this is Mm -hmm. then great yeah you know why not max out that one exactly um so i'm trying to think like obviously there is still that 
Alpine, Switzerland, millionaire watch of kind course. of vibe out there in the world. Yes. And that exists for a reason, and it's still a very big part of the world. There is also, like, I've read about the brand Nomos, mm-hmm. who are Swiss but less expensive, right? Yes. So, what kind of, you know, what kind of level are you operating at here? Like, um, okay, so basically... What's, what kind of treats are you eyeing off? What's on your wish list? Okay, Everyone's got their, their grail watches that they want to be able to get. I'm not going to look at something that is like over $5,000 because that's something... And not that I can afford a $5,000 one either right now. Well, um, I mean, you but, probably could, but it's whether you want to. Right, exactly. Because it becomes a thing of, you know, um, spend $5,000 on a watch or go on a holiday with your Correct, family. exactly. So the holiday yeah, yeah, will exactly. always win out. Kids, you're going to public school. Yeah. <laughs> Daddy needs a new watch. Exactly. Um no, it's uh, look. There's one that I'm really, really, really wanting, and okay. that is purely an indulgence. And maybe one day I'll be able to get it. It's called the it's the Omega Speedmaster Moonwatch. Um, Sorry, okay. Um, let's unpack that slowly. Yes. So Omega. Yes. What does that mean? Omega is a brand. Right. It's, it's a very respected brand. It's a very it's an American brand, but it's a very very important brand when it comes to the history of watchmaking, because not only is it old, it's been around for a little while. But uh, and they make beautiful watches, but they made a particular watch which is called the Speedmaster. And the Speedmaster um, is called that because it has a lot of different watches. When they have more than just the time, when they have just more than the minutes and the hours, um, you know they've got little stop watches and such. That's called a complication, which I think is fantastic terminology. Exactly, it's like, it sounds like something out of wizarding school, right? You know, what's like, the complication on this? Yeah. And so. And so, like, the one I'm wearing right now, it's a chronograph. It's a Dan Henry 1939. Um, it's modeled after a watch from 1939. And um, the reason why I like yeah, it... Yeah, send it over. Yeah, yeah great. the reason why I like it is because it's got complications in it that were designed in the 1930s for warfare. Ooh, so it's, if it's got you good were, heft to it. If you were working... If you were in the military and you were in the Second World War and you're in the trenches... And you see a, a cannon flash in the distance. Mm. You press the button that gets the chronometer moving. The top one. All right. right? Here we go. Yeah. And so you hit, Cut, see cannon yep. flash and you hit it. Yep, and now ticking. you hear the boom because the, you, sound, the sound travels later. So you stop it. On the side, a number is written. The hand that was moving, that was ticking, the number it tells you is how many kilometers away that cannon is. Oh, great. So, yeah. So it's about 300 kilometers away. Right. So that's how, and if you turn it around, it's got entire metric system conversion rate on the back of the watch. (laughs) The idea being, if you're in the trenches and you're in the Second World War, your watch literally guarantees your survival in times because it tells you how far the enemy is. It tells you how much your things weigh, what, you know, what kind of cannon they're sending, what the weight of the, of the ammunition falling upon you is versus how far it's being sent away from. So... It is like the original smartphone, isn't exactly. it? Like it's, I mean, I, I remember like the days of the very first iPhones where it truly felt like magic, right? Like we grew up reading these things about like, say, things like Hitchhiker's Guide, right? Yes. Which is the whole world in this one device. Or even like um, His Dark Materials by mm-hmm. Philip Pullman. When I first had an iPhone, it, uh, iPhone, it felt like a demon, Right, it felt like this little like companion. That's right. It also felt a bit like um like a watch on a chain that you mm-hmm. wear inside a jacket. You know, like even um oh my phone's over there, but like you know you look at the wallpaper on your phone. It's normally you know your kids, your yes. partner. Like I've got my girlfriend. Um, 
like it's a photo that's important to you and it has the time yeah the which same are two things watched it. yeah yes. two exact things so and then when you see a watch like that which has all those little extra complications all those little bits it's like you can imagine it, it had that feeling of magic and yeah. it is weird to think like things are kind of devalued now it's like we almost take that for granted and that's all happened in the space of a decade. Yeah. I can look, I can just go Siri, how many miles is 42 kilometers and Siri will tell me. But also, you know, if the reception drops out tomorrow, the zombie apocalypse does happen. Mm. My watch will probably be more useful. (laughs) Um, But the other... You got a box of gold. Exactly. So the one I like is the Omega Speedmaster um, uh, moon uh, watch because, a lunar watch, because that's the one that was used by Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin, and all the other astronauts cool. when they went to the moon. Cool. And that's the one that they used to synchronize the time, used to synchronize. You know when, um, have you seen Apollo 13? Oh, the movie. Years Ron ago. Howard directed yeah, it, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, and so it's about um, the failure of the Apollo mission. Okay. They get stranded in space for a prolonged period of time because there was, a, there was damage to the engine of the, of the, of the rocket they were on, um, of the space capsule. One of the scenes is where they have to figure out when to turn the system off and when to reboot the system. And they have to match it with NASA. And the reason why they can do that is not because they had cell phones, because the cell phones would have died out there. It's because they all were wearing Omega Speedmasters. Oh, what great product placement. Right? And they all had it synchronized to perfection. Mm. So that's why... And and it's an automatic watch. It's a winding watch. You wake up every morning and wind that watch, and that's how it works. And so Mm. for me, I covered that one. But I can't afford that. So the ones I do have, um, there are a lot of... um, There's a Seiko, because I think everyone should have one Seiko. Um, It's a dive watch. I don't go diving, but, you know, it can... It is there if I need to. If, if you have a fancy dive. That's right. Um, and you won't have to look, you know. Yeah, I just throw on my Seiko. I won't be a mess when I do that dive. <laughs> and it's a 1978 Seiko. It's my dad's brother's watch. And like his watch sat in a cupboard for 20 something years. Shook it once. It starts working again. Mm. Um, there is um, a brew watch, which is it's a company in America. And this guy just makes watches. He's a fanatic as well. And he custom designs them and they've got cool little complications. But all of them, my watches are just chosen because at the moment they look pretty to me, but also because I kind of respect the people behind them for the work they're putting in um, and the care that they put in. So the Dan Henry one I wear, um, it's a Dutch guy named Dan Henry. And he is a watch fanatic and enthusiast, but his specialization is retro watches. Yeah, okay. So he creates watches now which pay homage to those retro watches that he collects. He's got an incredible world-class collection. And, um, you know, when I have this, I know that he looked at the ones that used to exist in 1939, studied their details, complications, movements, and then copied them to create this thing. Yeah. Is there much of an online community? Are you reaching out? Are you... I have never been... other. Okay, so I've, I've always been active in the comic book reading community. <laughs> Um, because I got into it so young, like, you yeah, know, when right. you, especially when you're in Pakistan, like there is a, you know, I had a group of friends, but when I discovered the internet, yeah, suddenly I could talk to comic book fans around the world. And then there was this thing in the, um, early 2000s and late nineties called the Warren Ellis forum and Warren Ellis is a comic book writer okay. and he had a message forum, which is historic now in the comic book world because a lot of writers and artists and everyone kind of met there and then you'd hang out there and you'd talk to suddenly Jim Lee or Todd McFarlane or Warren Ellis or Neil Gaiman or these people who were legends in the comic yeah, book cool. world. Yeah, cool. All right. And you can suddenly chat with them. Um, so I, I was a big part of that and I still kind of love the kind of comic book community because it is a very 
beautiful community around the world of people who are really nerdy really enthusiastic about this that's got to exist for watches exactly it has to be there so it does so there's a reddit forum reddit r watches oh um, yeah and then there's the vintage watches and then there's you know if you go on instagram you follow a certain watch and so there's subcultures within the culture exactly and then there's tag you know little acronyms you got to learn like sotc which is like state of the collection great tell me more i love i love acronyms that relate to obsessions (laughs) like i was doing a podcast not so long ago about lego yeah and there's all these ones on Lego. Like yeah, of course it would be. Snot, yeah. which means studs not on top. So for uh, the flat pieces without studs, and there's like, you know, if you're a fan, it's um, AFOL. I'm an AFOL, which is an adult fan of Lego. Right. But yeah, so give me some watch ones. Okay, I love getting so, acronyms. Yeah, SOTC, State of the Watch, uh, State of the Collection. Um, and then there's a lot of watch brand ones, yeah. you know, so um, AP, um, Audemars Pugier, um, uh, PT, which is Patek Philippe, uh, sorry, PP, um, Patek Philippe. And so there's those, but then there's also um, reps. Yeah. So a rep, a rep is a duplicate watch, which is a counterfeit. Great. Um, yeah. And then a gen is the original, yep. that, you know, the first generation that has been copied. And you just get like a chain of acronyms. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So Do it'll people be... on their forum posts, like have the lists underneath of the watches that they've got and stuff like so, that. So th- what the my favorite things, for example, are SOTCs. Yeah. So like it, like I was very nervous posting my first SOTC. Yeah, a hundred percent. So right. get out of here, you noob. Yeah, because who do you I, think you are? I got the box right. I got the lighting right. I took the I took a thousand pictures. Oh, before I was so happy cute. with the right picture. You're I, like a fully adult yeah, man as absolutely. well. Absolutely. <laughs> Forty year old, my child is there. What are you, you know? doing in there, Dad? Shut <laughs> up! I'm taking photos of my watches, you idiot. Yeah. I'm cool. You're a loser. <laughs> <laughs> I am cool. Like she is a loser. Um, no, so we <laughs> kids um, go to school. They're too ashamed to talk about their dad on Father's Day. Well, no, but here's yeah. the cool thing. So, like the the one watch I have, there's a few watch brands which are um, which in the watch world of serious watches mm-hmm. um, are very disrespected because they represent um, the noob watch. You yeah. know, they represent someone who doesn't give a shit about complications or history of watches and just wants aesthetics. Um, Daniel Wellington, DW. Um, that's a watch which is largely the innards are made of dog shit. You know, they're like cheap <laughs> Chinese parts. Chinese manufacturing is very good, but these are the cheap shit. Yeah, ones, yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. Um, and another one would be Movement, MVMT. Yeah. Those ones. Um, I'm going to take my watch off now because that's literally what so, I'm wearing. So, so my, <laughs> but, but here's the thing. I also have certain respect so for this. I'm sitting here going, oh my God, he's literally going to no, call out my exact watch. Because I had, my first one was an MVMT as well. And the reason why... Actually, no, I think mine's different, to be honest. Mine's uh, instrument. Okay. But it's still a similar so thing. So in those, like, but what happens is one of my first comics, right? Like I said, like there's a certain comics that I love. Yeah. Um, one of them was Rob Liefeld's X-Force number one. And I, I used to copy Rob Liefeld's drawing and I loved yeah. it when I was nine years old. He is considered an embarrassment ah. um, in the comic book world. And he, now he's also mega rich because he created <laughs> Deadpool and Cable ah. and a lot of these characters. Okay, all right. right. So, but he, you know, when in comic books, like if you talk to comic book collectors, they're like, oh, Rob Liefeld's the worst. His drawings are terrible. It's embarrassing. His storylines are childish. But he was my gateway drug. Yes, all right. I got into stand-up comedy because of Dane Cook. Dane Cook yes. is not a respected comedian. Yeah, 100%. But he yeah. was my entryway. You need a gateway drug. So for a lot of people, Daniel Wellington watches, movement watches, these are gateway drugs because you buy them because they look pretty. Then you think, I like watches. I want to learn more. And then you move in. So I respect that a lot. Can I tell you, right? Mm-hmm. This is going to be probably make me even more embarrassed. 
for the reason why I bought this watch. So yeah, I think the brand is Instrument, but again, it doesn't have any of the vowels, right? Which is apparently cool. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's what it is, Instrument. And I, the reason I bought it is because I read an article about how someone went to like a design uh, expo or something. Mm-hmm. And noticed that all the designers there were wearing this watch, <laughs> so I was like, "Well, it must be cool." <laughs> yeah, and I and I googled yeah. it, and I was like, "That looks awesome." And Why I not? It. But does it look good? <laughs> yeah, it does well, look I good. Like and there we go. So that that answers that question of like, now it has a certain story and a value to you. Well, okay, so I'll pass it over to you. Look at yes. it, right? And what I'll say is, oh, and so light. So, <laughs> so well, I don't know. It's, yeah, yeah. It's, come on, man. No, look, come it, on. It's got the minimalist look. Um, it says Swiss movement. Now, that's one of the the tricks is that Swiss movement can mean anything because what, to qualify the Swiss movement legally, you just have to have up to sixty to seventy percent of your manufacturing can be in China. You just have to have at some point passed through some certain elements that were composed in Switzerland. This is brilliant. Yeah, right? keep going. So there's Tear that. me apart. Come but but it's me. not but also but it is a pretty watch because it's oh. got that beautiful minimalist look to it, which is yes, it is a fad, but it also started <laughs> with the Bauhaus movement. Yeah. There's some beautiful Bauhaus watches out there. IWC does some really good ones, International Watch Company. Um, you know, this kind of minimalist approach to watches. The main thing is does it tell you the time? Does it tell you the date? Does it hold the time? Does it hold the date? Yes. Um can I ask how much it cost? It wasn't actually that expensive. Yeah, I think I'm trying to remember, but it was like 100, 200, 300. Yeah, something like that. Okay. So the only thing is now this might not last. Yeah, right. Well, so yeah. the tragedy is you spent, let's say, $200 yeah. on a watch that will last three, four years. Great. So best. you know that there's other ones out there for the same exact yes. same price. Right. And and people don't respect the names because they don't associate the names with watch greatness. Because you yeah. think, if I can't get a Rolex, why should I bother? Yeah. So a Seiko. If I was to tell you that for $150 or $200, yeah. you can get a beautiful Seiko, great mechanism inside, and just, it'll last 30 years. Yeah, all right. Okay. Right? But you'd think Seiko, what, you know, what, but it's it's a very respected name in, with watchmaking. It's one, of the, it's the first non-Swiss watch that won for movement design, you know. And it's the kind of one where I'm imagining, like, if I was with some less gracious watch enthusiasts, mm-hmm. let's say, because um, every fandom has people who take it way too Absolutely. seriously and see their, their, I'm the only person who knows anything cool and if you don't know it as well, you're an idiot. Yeah. Um, and I, they saw this on my wrist, they'd all give a little snigger and be like, <laughs> no, that's nice. That's nice that you've got that yeah. watch. Um, <laughs> when you get serious, give us a call. Right. Seiko yeah. would be like, hey, you know what? You nailed it for your budget. Yeah. You're smart. Absolutely. Yeah. That's the, right. that's the respect okay. the Seiko would get, for sure. And uh. the Seiko you buy today most likely will sell for the same amount when you sell it 20 years from now. You and know? surely there are watches that uh, retail for tens of thousands of dollars mm-hmm. that are shit. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. In fact, in my opinion... <laughs> David Beckham, signature watch. Yeah, yeah like. but, there, but there are those. And not yeah. even the signature watches. There's Rolexes out there. The Rolex designed, which are worth... <sighs> Hundreds of thousands of dollars. They are so ugly. They look like they were designed by a Saudi prince having sex with a Russian kleptocrat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like that's, yeah, yeah. You know, you're like, why would anyone wear that except to go big pimping in Jeddah? Yeah. You know, like that. It doesn't make sense. Um, so they, it's like Flavor Flav's necklace, exactly. but just on your wrist. Any watch that's diamond encrusted right yeah, away. Okay. I want to slap that person who wears it with their watch. Like, yeah. why would you do that? It looks disgusting. Mm. Um, so, yeah, there's, and there's watches that cost 
hundreds of thousands of dollars that have that approach. And they might have amazing movements and they might have great craftsmanship, but they really are quite ugly pieces of furniture sitting on someone's wrist to say, look at how much money I have. So for the, like it, the fandom seems to, there's a real chunk of it that rewards the smart buyer, the person with a sort of uh, well-reasoned collection. And, you know, you, it's not so much about what you've got, mm-hmm. but why you've got it. Kind yeah, of absolutely. Like one of the things that I found when I posted my my state of the collection um, was because I don't have anything yeah, expensive. So I don't you, have how many anything. how many did you put up? Like, so I have ten total. And you, this was your first post. You were first, like, you were like if, if it's not now, it's never. I'm going to do it. Right. Click send. I've taken my photos. My family's falling apart outside. I don't care. All of you that put it up exactly yep. as that. Yeah. Um, and, and, and then you click post, and then you wait, and then you wait, and then you wait to see what the reactions are, and it's Reddit, so you wait to see if there's any upvotes, upvotes downvotes, and everything. Yep. And the upvotes came, and what mattered was what was interesting was I put the story behind each watch. This one for my father. This is why I like oh, this great. one. This and you're one, a like that writer. One. You know what you're doing. So a little bit of, you know, like just kind of word, wordsmithing that. But there was the cheap one in that, which is like the MVMT, which yeah. is like the Daniel Wellington of my collection. Yeah. Um, is, uh, it's a watch. It's a Skagen, you know. Um, and I think it's it's a Swedish watch or some brand. And it's, again, it's one of those fancy boutique, you know, um, fad hipster watches. And yeah. um, my daughter got that for me. And she got that for me on my 40th birthday and she spent hours online just scrolling wow, through watches yeah. to select it. And on the back is the inscription, Daddy. So that's the watch I'll be buried with one day. I know that. And I put that up and every single person who has a, a collection of Rolexes and Patek Philippe's and all that stuff was like, hey, that's the best watch you've got because that's the one that matters the most to you. Oh, that's beautiful. So it is that understanding in the community also that, you know, sometimes it's not about the watch. It's about the story behind the watch. Um, There's guys who are wearing crappy watches that their grandfather gave them because Mm. it's the only thing they have left for their grandfather. And you appreciate it for that. So there is that appreciation as well, you know, and that matters, I think, to me as well for that reason. Wow. Okay. So until until your daughter ponies up the dough and buys you something decent, that's Omega like, Speedmaster that's the chronograph. <laughs> lo- 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 yeah. Christmas isn't <laughs> yeah. far away. Yeah. So how old is she? Like, <laughs> Ten. Yeah, put your pocket money aside. Get working. No, she. Look, you know, what? I'll tell you what. The thing that is cool is, you, which phone do you have? Oh, my phone's terrible. It's um, iPhone, yeah, Samsung, iPhone, right? IPhone, yeah. yeah, same here. iPhone. Yeah. Um, if you don't have an iPhone, you have a Samsung. If you yeah. don't have Samsung, you have a, you know one of those. Um, all our phones look the same. All our clothes, no matter how nice they are, are all manufactured in the same factories in Pakistan, India, Bangladesh, yep. you know, all that. Every single thing we have in this life right now, most of your furniture will probably be IKEA, same yep. as most of my furniture, or Kmart, yeah. or yeah. if yeah. you're really feeling pricey, Harvey Norman. You know, <laughs> um, everything we own is identical to everything else we own. And so I know this is going down the fight club kind of room. No, you're not. 100% right, yeah. But there's there's individuality and uniqueness in very few things in our life. And we know those things and we appreciate them so much. That's why food has become so big now. My restaurant versus your restaurant. You know, mm. which one is your favorite? Well, that's my local. This is my local. Like, all of those things. We and value... Even now, like, restaurants are all starting to look very similar. Right, but that's yeah, why then yeah. you see this this resurgence, resurgence in ethnic cuisine all of a sudden. Yeah, so, you know, people are yeah. valuing cheap Chinese food now because yeah. you realize a lot of care and precision oh, goes into that. making that. I get the train out to Lakemba where it's real. Right, man. exactly. Yeah, all of yeah. those things. And so, we value that. And the other thing I think is watches. Yeah. You know, there, there are mass manufactured watches and yes, but there's a lot of good watches that are really limited edition or people, you know, it's an old watch versus it's a watch that my grandfather had and everything. This isn't my dad's phone 
And if it was his phone, it would be a terrible one because he first used it and now he's giving it to me. Maybe a few jackets you might have might belong to a father or someone like that, but they yeah. fall apart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A good watch lasts, you know, and that's why I value it. And it's like a metaphor for yourself. So yours is meaningful and deep. Yeah, and it's just has... it's it's that little bit of individuality and and unique expression that we still have left in, my, in a world of commodity. Is, mine is looks good on the outside, but made of <laughs> shit on the inside, but still trying but, to do the yeah, right yeah. thing. <laughs> Oh, no, I, res- like, I respect the reason for getting it. All right, you know? yeah, there we yeah, go. yeah. No, I'll, I'll take the roasting um, and I'll put it to good <laughs> use. Um, well, thanks, thanks for coming in. My pleasure. Thanks for finding the time. I guess. Yeah, anytime. Uh, it wasn't meant to be a to pun, w- but talk yeah. about obsessions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm happy. Well, to that's do it. it. We'll do um, part two down the track, and you can talk about comic books more. <laughs> yeah, sure. I'm down with that. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> thanks, man. Thank you. Totally Obsessed with Dan DeBooth is pretty much made entirely by me, Dan DeBooth, except for the music, which is by Caleb Garfinkel, and the artwork, which is by David Ferrier and Joe Kutry. <laughs>